Hey, it's Living Cola. Welcome to Casualty of Love's Apologies. Each week, I'll be reading chapters from my book, C-O-L-A. This podcast is rated R for relatable. What I found when writing was how freeing it allowed me to be. My prayer is that as you listen to this story, you will find your own peace and freedom. It may be a bumpy ride, but we'll get through this together. It starts right now. Chapter 4 Grey Nan They have repaid me evil for good and hatred for my love. Psalms 109.5 He touched me. I didn't even realize at first what was happening. I bumped here, there. He brushed past me a couple times, but what was I to think? That's my auntie's boyfriend, uncle. In the kitchen, he would come up behind me and he would slap my ass. He would whisper in passing, you're so beautiful. I like how thick you are. He mostly touched me if no one else was around. A few times, he was brave and would brush past me with someone in the kitchen. Or he would stand behind me when I was looking in the fridge and pretended he was looking too. I had no one to tell, but then it got so bad that I finally had to tell Aaliyah, and this guy I was chilling with at the time. They both urged me to say something, but I felt trapped. The quieter I stayed, the bolder he got. I was waiting to use the upstairs bathroom in my grandma's house, and as soon as he opened the door and saw me, he pulled me into the bathroom with him. I couldn't make a sound because the rest of my family was all there and he told me to keep quiet. It must be something that I'm doing to make him want me. He pushed me down on the counter with one hand while his next hand was up my skirt. He fingered me. I kept moving around trying to push his hand away without making a noise. It seemed that the harder I pushed the harder he pushed back. He never took his eyes off me. He smiled at my reaction. I was in such an awkward position as he played in my pussy. I thought for sure he was going to rape me. Maybe he would have, but I heard footsteps and he let go. I jumped down and I hit him. Leave me alone. Don't touch me. He gave me the creepiest smile as he waved his fingers at me. I wanted to say something, but how? To who? Who would believe me? And he knew it too, because he would tell me, no one would believe you. So I'm thinking, my family already sees me as a whore. Just be more aware when he's around. Even when I was aware of his presence around me, it didn't matter. He didn't care. During another visit to my grandma's house, I took a nap in the couch, only to awake and see my breast cupped in his hand with his tongue on my nipple. What the fuck? I freaked. My great-grandma was in the house, so he did his best to keep me quiet. He dragged me from the living room all the way to the bedroom, where he unzipped his pants and offered me 50 bucks to suck his dick. This 
is not okay. What can I do? This is not okay. This is not okay. I felt so alienated. Why the fuck me? I refused the money. He said, one day, I'm going to come for you and take you to a hotel. Oh, my God. No. 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 Please, no. He said, I want to give you more money, but your auntie handles the bills, so she would know if more money was missing. I didn't want his dirty money anyways. I tried to beg my parents to stay home, but they didn't trust to leave me alone. Whenever I went down to my aunt's house, I, I tried everything not to be caught alone. When he touched me, I would hit back or move. He would walk past me and whisper in my ear, mean. He caught me alone one time and said, why are you being so mean to me? Mean? What the fuck, nigga? You expect me to be nice? You crazy, right? This is a 45-year-old man. The more I rejected him, the more he smiled. The more he pushed, the more he demanded. He put $10 in my brow one time. I had to hide it from my parents. I didn't want it, but then I thought I could use it as evidence against him. The damn thought of that money from him made me disgusted, so I spent it just to get rid of it. How do I make this stop? I did my best to manage that situation, but my mom was focused on starting high school. A brand new year, a brand new school, brand new people. I found my people when I started high school. Ali and I weren't the only black kids anymore. I got a whole new friend group, different grades, but we just understood each other. We hung out all the time. There was always someone from that group to chill with. It was a big enough group, 10 or so people. For once in my life, I finally feel like I fit in. There were actually people who shared the same interests as me. After all those years of attending schools with majority white kids, high school was a major change. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I can't go to school with white kids or nothing, but we always got into some fight over rap versus rock or always had some white kid trying to imitate being black. They would say, what's up, my wigger? So infuriating. I'm proud to be black, and I didn't need some white kid tormenting me about it. I'm sure they were genuinely curious, but every time February would come around, I always had to deal with the constant questions such as, since there's a BET, Black Entertainment Television, why isn't there a WET, White Entertainment Television? My response was usually the same. Are you kidding me? Now I'm thinking, y'all get every other damn station and channel. Why can't my people have the one station out of many for ourselves? These conversations usually ended up in a losing battle, mainly because they outnumbered me. A million white kids to just me. So you can imagine that when I entered high school and saw a group of black people sitting in the front of the school, how ecstatic I was. February was the best month because of the Black History Assembly. As a group, we got to showcase our talent with dances, raps, monologues, anything creative to pay homage to our ancestors. Ain't nothing more exciting. It was cute to see the guys practicing their dances in the hallway. I was still learning everybody's name. But I recognized this one dancer from my bus. Mm. He was a fine brother. But unfortunately, he had a girl. Somehow, a rumor got spread that I thought I could take him from his girl. 
I don't know who made that up. By the time fourth period came around, while I was walking down the hallway, this white girl was getting all up in my face, wanting to know what I was saying and what was this all about about me taking her man. I'm thinking, who, who said who said I wanted her man like that? This chick was scary. Lucky for me, a black girl came out of nowhere to sort things out calmly. Thank God she had my back. I've never had to fight, and I'm not in the mood to start. I later found out that the chick's name was Nicola. From that day on, I stuck to the girl like glue. It's always weird to meet someone with the same name as you. She was a couple years older, but also hung out with the crew, so I had seen her, but never talked to her before. Nicola was also bilingual. We didn't have classes together, but could swap stories about teachers. We bonded. I felt more comfortable hanging out with the older kids because my classmates were kids and I didn't feel like a kid. Definitely didn't see anyone my type in my high school, so I started talking to guys online, which is how I met my first boyfriend. The internet. It could be your best friend or your worst enemy. Connect you with someone halfway across the world who you may never meet, or it lets you chat with your sister in the next room. People could create fantasies of who they really were or uh, who they wished to be. It was an opportunity for lies, deception, betrayal, imagination, a clean slate. I was the girl that sat at the computer creating profiles while trying to hide the image of the hole that so many people around me believe I was. Curtis and Samuel really ruined things for me. I hate them so much. I no, no longer felt safe with the people around me. So I put my trust into those who knew nothing about me. I was running away from real life. I believe that because I was on the internet, nobody could find out about my past. I was so consumed with thoughts of what other people thought of me, mainly men, that I made myself believe that staying on the internet was way better than meeting people in person so that they couldn't judge me. I was tired of being judged. I was tired of never being good enough, and I really just wanted someone to give me a real fair chance. That's when I was introduced to Black Planet. Y'all remember Black Planet? Black Planet was here before T.Wire and Tinder. Black Planet was a black version of MySpace, and it was here first. <laughs> black Planet then, almost everybody had their own type of page. <laughs> there was like a Latino site, an Asian site, like, talk about segregation. I remember taking slack from a lot of the white kids at school. They were seeing me and they weren't feeling that I had a Black Planet page because they thought it was dumb. They felt like if they wouldn't be welcomed on such a page. This is the kind of shit that I grew up with. Oh, racism. Whatever. I kept it anyways. Back then, I was like a computer whiz. I knew almost everything about computers. I spent hours perfecting my webpage, finding hidden links and everything. I had to put up a profile pic and I hated taking pictures. I realize now that I should have been grateful for the body I had. I was between a size 13, 15, but I was beautiful. And I was still pretty healthy and pretty active. I posted a few pictures, full body pictures showing off my curves, but mostly posted pictures of my lips. I received a huge response, which led to several friendships. I spent hours on the computer trying to get to know them. I usually have three men I was talking to at one time talk about a juggling act. 
I loved the attention. They were closer to my age and allowed me to feel normal. Talking to them kept me distracted, helped me block out the emotions from the shitty situation I was in. I felt safe because they couldn't get to me unless I wanted them to. This felt the safest way. I met my first boyfriend, Kwasi, from Black Planet. We talked on the computer for about six months before we ever met in person. He was going through a lot and so was I. It was so scary how much time we spent together and how much time we spent on the phone. I mean, the only thing that kept us apart was the distance. I was so excited to meet him though. The next time my family planned a trip to Toronto, we planned to meet. I had a cell phone and he had no phone, so we planned ahead to meet in front of Stitches at Scarborough Town Center. I had only seen a couple photos of him on the computer, but he had seen plenty of mine. I'm thinking he should be able to pick me out of the crowd. Even still, we had to plan what each other would wear. He was going to wear black pants and a yellow shirt. And I was going to wear blue jeans with a white sweater. The excitement was overwhelming. I mean, I really liked him. I got the stitches, anxiously hoping to see if he was already there, but he was nowhere in sight. I waited and waited. It felt like forever, but it was only 30 minutes. Kwasi never showed. Finally, I went down to the lower level to meet my parents since they were ready to leave. As we made our way through the mall to the exit, I passed a tall guy dressed wearing black pants and a yellow shirt. Our eyes locked and I just knew it was him. He came! (laughs) I told my parents I wanted to check out something in the store before we left. He said that once he saw me, he knew right away it was me. Our spirits connected. We hid in the hallway and hugged. Finally, we made out right there in the hallway, not even bothering with what people around us were doing. That day brought us so much closer. I felt safe with him, safe enough to invite him over to my house. The first time I invited Kwasi over, I was nervous. Shit, what's your parents going to say? We don't even talk about boys. I invited a classmate over to ease the tension. He was supposed to come in the afternoon, but because of the distance and weather, it took him longer than I expected for him to reach our area. He was about two hours away from my house by GoBus. By the time he got to the bus stop, it was late. But I brought my friend with me to go meet him. On our way back to my house, I saw my mom pulling up in a van beside us to offer us a ride the rest of the way home. Thanks, Mom. Once at the house, we decided to stay in the basement to watch a movie. My friend had a curfew, so she left as soon as we got back. Damn, there goes my alibi. My dad's office was in the basement, so while we watched the movie... He would periodically stand behind us while pretending to read a book. You're not slick, Papa. Feeling the awkwardness, Kwasi tried to converse with my father, the assistant pastor. Do you like sports? No. Conversation done. So awkward. Kill me now. I tried to ease the tension to allow Kwasi to feel comfortable. We sat in separate chairs. So every chance I got, I would move closer or steal a kiss. He was so nervous. (laughs) That shit was funny to me. Especially since I knew my dad was trying to catch me doing something. It was a game to me. I wasn't even trying to do nothing but chill. My mother, she was the next story. She would call me upstairs, then whisper loudly, Nick, 
when is your friend leaving? I need to go to bed and I can't sleep while he's here. Mom, just go to your bed. Dad's already downstairs. Within minutes of talking to my mom, my dad came at me with the same question. Uh, I guess they want him to leave? I get that it's late, but he hasn't even been here long. It was after 10, and the last school bus in my area had already stopped running. Now, my challenge was convincing my father to drive Kwasi to the train station. It wasn't easy. But my father finally agreed. It was one of the most embarrassing nights I've ever had to sit through. Both my parents were far from a great behavior. It wasn't the words that they said, but it was their actions. My mom gave off an ice-cold vibe. Why can't she just be nice? Why she gotta embarrass me? I swear, I'm never bringing another man to this house for them to meet. Inviting Kwasi over was the dumbest thing that I had ever done. Hey, I'm Paula. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been a blessing. You can find copies of this book at livingcola.com. You can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Please join me next week as I continue to read chapters from Casualty of Love's Apologies.